think you always have a feeling like you knew it all along. I Just a minute, you made it feel like home. Hello and welcome to the Ghouls Magazine podcast, a podcast that looks at horror through the female perspective. I'm your host today, Arielle Powershab. I'm the senior contributor to and the admin assistant for Ghouls Magazine. Every month, we like to do a little wrap-up on some of our recent watches and talk about what the ghouls have been enjoying lately. And today, I am joined by Kim Morrison, who is our social media manager extraordinaire. She's a senior contributor to ghouls. She's also the queen of amazing lists. She can make you a horror list about any, literally any topic. I would, I would put that out there. I don't know if Kim's going to appreciate me putting that out there, but I think it's true. Um, Kim, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you. And thank you very much. Yeah, I do. I <laughs> always appreciate a challenge and uh, my <laughs> ever expanding Trello boards list of ideas always needs more. So yeah, if anyone's got any suggestions, please feel free to let me know and I'll uh, tackle them. The most creative. <laughs> And I'm also joined by Kat Hughes, who's a contributor to Ghouls, and she is an all-around film journalism queen. You can find her in every corner of the horror journalism world. Kat, I've especially lately been enjoying your Movies with Mummy podcast that you do with your daughter. Those are adorable, and they make me smile so much. Um, how are you doing, Kat? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, Movies with Mummy is very different to the day job, but she basically yeah. got really bored of mummy always going to be on a podcast and then she was like can we make a podcast and I was like yeah sure let's have a go and she's taken to it very well now she wants to do interviews though so she is okay. slowly coming after my job <laughs> I was gonna say you better watch out like yeah you'll find her at a press junket you didn't know she was gonna be at be like what exactly. are you doing here? I mean they You're always say old. with women don't they that we're gonna get replaced by like younger <laughs> younger versions I wasn't expecting four to be like quite that young but let alone your own daughter yeah. exactly but that's that's where we are that's pretty funny. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for being here. Um, you know, this is just a very casual chat about what we've been enjoying lately in the horror world. So, Kim, do you want to start? What have you been watching lately? Um, so I actually just finished watching um, Escape Room Tournament of Champions, which um, is technically the second time I've watched it, um, but not really because <laughs> the theatrical cut and the extended cut are like wildly different from each other. Um, yes, and when I when I watched it when it first came out, which was on um, Sky Movies, apparently that was the extended cut. Um, and I didn't realize and then it just got added to Netflix a little while ago and we had a look and it was that was the theatrical cut so we decided to watch it um, to check out what the differences are and it has a very different beginning and end but all the stuff in the middle with the actual escape rooms is exactly the same but there's a, a story weaved through all the rooms that they had to <laughs> invent completely new characters for in two different versions so it was quite impressive I think that they managed to make uh such wildly different versions when the kind of core of the story is the same and I'll be interested to see if they decide to make a third film what mm -hmm. version they're gonna make the sequel from <laughs> yeah Cause, yeah because they really are quite different like mm -hmm. you know a lot of the like you said the escape room stuff in the middle is the same but they end up in pretty different places yeah I think the end into this one was very um I don't know what it felt 
it, it felt more than chin, I guess, from what you expect from a escape room film, or they they feel very kind of saw adjacent, I guess, mm-hmm. with the like constant recaps in the last ten minutes. And yeah, this time it was very much of a oh, they're still in they're still in the escape room, they're still in the game. Whereas I think the the kind of theatrical cut ended with a more of a just like oh, where are these characters going to go from here rather than mm-hmm. like um that kind of cliff hanging the end. And so I guess they weren't too different. Um the main kind of same people were still there and everything so um but no i mean it was it was really fun i'm glad i'm glad i watched it i i love films like that like saw and escape room and -hmm. things like squid game and things where people are like trying to get out of traps and just i know for the fact that if it was me stuck in there i would be dead in like two minutes because i could not get my brain to work that quickly no it's bananas um so yeah it was a lot of fun but um yeah i would just uh if you've seen one version, I would recommend watching the other one because I think it was quite fun to kind of check out the the differences. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoy the Escape Room movies. They are like baby's first Saw. <laughs> yeah. And obviously I love Saw and so anything close to that I really enjoy. And like, you know, I think they are rated for teenagers. Like I think in the US they're PG-13. So they don't go as hard as, as they could, like as Saw. But I love it as, like, the idea of, like, oh, this could get a teenager into, like, you know, game horror mm-hmm. and, like, escape room horror. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I think yeah. they're they're so, like, clever. I love the, like, mm-hmm. all the different traps that they do. And especially, I think, in escape room, because there's so many different, like, elements to it. Like, they have to solve this thing to get that thing to get that thing to get out. Um, I think it's really impressive. And, yeah, I love the first one. I like the first one a lot. So um, it was nice to, yeah, have a, an excuse to rewatch the second one and it'd be a sort of different experience. Yeah. And, I mean, you say that it doesn't go as hard as a saw. It it does to a degree, but it's more implied violence. I mean, this is a whole game That's with true. the with the acid rain. You know, they don't necessarily show the, the yeah. after effects of that, but that it doesn't take much to, to think. And I think that can almost you know a lot of the time is worse than than seeing something so I think it does do a really good job of hooking in a young audience to then mm-hmm. maybe I'll dip my toe in the saw waters um, yeah I I really enjoy both of these films or all three of these films in a way. <laughs> they are widely different I mean at the what the the late 90s early 2000s there were a lot of films that had different endings um, mm-hmm. like the butterfly effect the ending in the theatre was completely different to the one that came out on the the home end release but they don't I don't think any of them have changed as much as these two versions you could watch them and people don't realize that there's the two versions so right it's, it is very cleverly done I mean I think the the theatrical version brings back a character from the first film but the extended version doesn't so I'm wondering that was it must have it must have been a test audience sort of feedback where mm, they decided mm-hmm. to, to play for that. But yeah, it's it's wild that they're both in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently it's 26 minutes of new footage, but the yeah. extended cut's only actually six minutes longer than the theatrical version. So it's just 20 minutes of <laughs> absolute new stuff, really. So yeah, it's it's uh, it was interesting though. I like to see, I guess like you said you usually kind of get to see like alternative endings and they don't um they don't differ that much or they're just a tiny bit like lengthwise but it was quite mm-hmm. nice to see like I guess two full ideas for the film like completely realized the whole way through um and yeah I guess we'll see where they decide to go from here with it what if it branches off into like a multiverse situation and there's a sequel for each version <laughs> and like it just <laughs> At some point, that won't that'll will break. <laughs> that'll hit a breaking point. But what if they? Did? I would watch all of those tree oh. branches. Yeah, hundred percent. So would I. I think it'd be the <laughs> the quickest growing franchise ever because like every time it came out, it would just have like four and then eight and then right. Like, <laughs> it'd be like a fractal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. What else have you been watching? Um, I watched um Bones and All as well today. Mm. Um, because it hit Prime. Um, and I'd kind of missed it when I'd been in the cinema and things. So I was really excited to, um, catch up on that. Though uh, I was watching it with my boyfriend, and I was like, he's like, "What is it about?" And I was like, "Oh, it's, it's a ca- a cannibal film with like Timothy Chalamet in it." And he was like, "Cool." And then like in the first five minutes, like someone gets half their finger chewed off, and he was like 
what is this? I was like, I told you. <laughs> it's like, I was like, that's literally all I know about it. I have no more information. But it was really, um, it was really good. It was really beautiful. It's such a, I've not read the book, but I really want to now. It was just such an interesting look at like, um, these people who are kind of like outsiders for a very mm-hmm. like gory reason that they have their own kind of like society kind of running, um, alongside everyone else and just sort of yeah looking at how they kind of survive in their life I guess and try and merge in with the rest of us it was very interesting it's a a very like um unusual kind of love story I guess um I really enjoyed it the I'm not the biggest fan I'm not gonna spoil it because it's just it's just there I feel like it's quite new but I'm not the biggest fan of like not completely over the top happy endings anything that errors on the side of like a sad ending um I'm, I'm all, which um, potentially horrors the wrong genre for me because a lot of films that I love end up getting I'm like ah why could they just had a nicer ending um I loved it but yeah the ending is very um intense I would say but it's a very enjoyable film I think I would um like to kind of watch it again now that I know what's going to happen I think I'm always a bit more comfortable once I know where the story's going I can watch it and sort of not be like surprised by anything so mm-hmm. um, I think I'd quite like to enjoy watching it again um, with a sort of complete perspective of what everything that's going to happen and but yeah it was it was amazing and uh, I usually get kind of grossed out by cannibal stuff and zombie stuff I don't like watching people getting eaten or even kind mm-hmm. of a hint of it but it was something about mm-hmm. this that felt quite like real life and real world day it, like didn't feel like anything was like getting played for overly grossness aspect of it so it was actually fine <laughs> like um yeah one that I would watch again without feeling a bit uh, ill about it which I'm not always great with cannibal stuff it was quite quite similar I would say to like kind of like raw is like of just okay. a kind of a kind of as realistic a perception of cannibal this as you can kind of have I think it didn't yeah it felt like it was quite a natural thing rather than yeah getting amped up for the grossness levels interesting Kat have you seen this one I haven't seen it was uh it was one of my favorite films of last year it came out in November and it was an immediate like straight into like my top five or whatever it was of last year it's so Good. I love a good road trip movie and the characters mm. in this mm-hmm. are on a journey. It's across sort of like um middle middle America, sort of like lots of dusty, dusty roads, and Mark Rylance is a supporting character in it and he is so terrifying in this film that I think I think Mark Rylance has been spoiled for me. He's going to be one of those <laughs> actors from now on that I see pop up in something and I'm like, okay, I don't trust you because in that other film, which is which is wild because I have got a four-year-old and for many years she was addicted to a kid's animation called Bing, uh, which is about this rabbit who's very irritating. But he has his, <laughs> he has his carer uh, called Flop, who is the most patient person ever. Mark Rylance voices him for the first series. So <laughs> I was sat there being like, what is Flop doing to these poor people in this film? So yeah, there's, there was a bit of trauma attached, but it's such a beautiful film. I need to watch it again um, at some point. It's sort of, I immediately bought it when it came out, but I just haven't found it. It's, it's a long film and I haven't found the time to, to settle back into it yet. But it's, if you like road movies and love stories and cannibals and this is for you I will say I know some people that really hated it and I think that they are people that heard cannibal and were expecting something a lot more gnarly and gory so if you go in expecting something like Kim said a bit more like raw where there are these heightened moments of of gore briefly then I think you'll have a more enjoyable time than expecting a Romero guts being like ripped apart it's it's not that it's a bit more I think I said in my review at the time it was more like an art house cannibal cannibal okay. film I, I hoped it was the film that was going to bridge horror and awards because it is so well acted and the gore isn't too extreme but as we know the academy just hate all horror in all forms so yeah and I do think like cannibalism might be a tr- you know, a taboo that's hard for them to set aside, even if it is sort of restrained 
Um, but this is definitely making me want to watch it. I mean, I think Timothy Chalamet's great. Um, and I love a road trip movie. So, yeah, I don't know. I I haven't, I just haven't made the time to watch it, I guess. I'll have to. I always come out of these recent watches conversations with like a <laughs> long list of stuff I need to watch. So one day. <laughs> yeah. Kim, was there anything else you wanted to mention? Um, there's just one more thing, actually. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the same with Kat talking about the podcast with her daughter. I have a, a seven-year-old daughter and uh, she is super, I should say, yeah. Uh, she's really sort of getting into horror films, but I'm obviously trying to like Love it. juggle what I can let her watch. Um, and the other day um, on my shelf, uh, I have a figure of the creature from the Black Lagoon. And mm-hmm. she was like, do you have any films of this guy? And I was like, yes, I do. I have the, the box set. Um, she apparently really wanted to watch Friday the 13th, but <laughs> I was like, mm, maybe a few more years for that. So we watched the first two Creature from the Black Lagoon films, which is Creature from the Black Lagoon and then Revenge of the Creature. And we still have the third one to watch. I'd seen the first one before and, and really loved it. And then I hadn't actually seen Revenge of the Creature um, at all. And I think it's quite, it's sort of, airs more than a like kind of shape of the water territory where they they go and take the creature from his um black lagoon and <laughs> they put him in like a zoo like an aquarium kind of thing to like oh. show him off um to the world and they're trying to like train him to be um more like domesticated i guess they're trying to like teach him sort of words and commands and things um i actually just read this book as well called mrs um Oh, what is it called? Is this like Calibre, I think it is. Um, which is about this woman in like the nineteen like a nineteen fifties housewife who falls in love with this like frog man who escapes from a lab where he's been getting like kind of tested on it. It was all it's all very similar um to that of kind of what happens to the creature, but he doesn't <laughs> unlike the other two versions, he doesn't get a love story. He goes more the kind of King Kong route where he steals uh the attractive lab assistant woman and tries to like run away with her into the sea and gets uh stopped basically and it makes it look like he's dead at the end and then but there's more sequels so I'm guessing he appears that's what um that's what Ivy said she was like why do all the films finish with him looking like he's dead and just floating in the water I was like because they're trying to like make suspense and then they'll do the next one and they'll be back um but I think they're amazing because they're only they were rated 12 so they're they're like they're kind of scary but they're like not super violent and I think because they're black and white as well the blood's kind of black so even if it is but um yeah, Ivy made me quite proud because she was like, I don't think he's a monster. I think he's really cute. And I was like, right? <laughs> I was like, you're getting, I'm so glad you're getting the point. <laughs> so, yeah, so she was definitely on the side of of him and not the not the humans that were dragging him away into the, the lab. But yeah, we still have the third one to watch. But I do think, I think it's cool that they did um, like a kind of different story with it. Like the first time they went into the creatures kind of territory and it was mm-hmm. him like defending himself. And then this time it was them sort of, displacing him into their kind of world and trying to make him fit and then like he was just like nah and eventually managed to kind of outsmart them and escape so um I'm interested to see what the third one's like and I think it's nice to introduce my daughter to like um kind of older horror as well um I didn't yeah. watch a lot of that when I was younger I was very much like trying to watch like slashers and and Stephen King stuff so it's nice to kind of introduce her to the classic stuff and that she's she's really hyped to watch the third one so I'm glad I've not <laughs> put it off kind of black and white stuff because I do have like yeah. a wolfman box set and stuff as well so we'll maybe see if we can build her up to those and then eventually get up to Friday the 13th <laughs> eventually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know there were sequels to the mm. creature from the black lagoon so that's really cool there might be more, I'm not sure, but I got like a little box set um for my Christmas for my dad that was um it was just like three. Um so I'll need to investigate and see if there's if there's other ones. Um because I know there's a lot of kind of crossover in those old universal horror films where it's like mm-hmm. Wolfman meets Dracula meets Frankenstein. So there might be like a a kind of creature crossover one with someone else as well. But um yeah, I need to check out the, the third one and see what see what that one's like. I think that's wonderful that your daughter is so into it. That's so cool. Because I, too, was watching horror movies very, very young. And it mostly was, like, made-for-TV Stephen King stuff. Um, but I think that's so cool that you can, like, give her an introduction. Yeah, I'm ch- I'm trying to let her, like... Um... 
I have like all my kind of horror DVDs on like a massive bookshelf in my living room and um, she likes just sometimes like getting ones down and looking at the pictures and stuff. When I wouldn't let her watch Friday the 13th, she demanded to look at the box set and was like inspecting all the pictures and stuff. But I'm kind of hoping she'll just like pick ones out and I'll be able to go like, yeah, no, you can watch that. Um, so yeah, we'll hopefully build her up a nice little knowledge. <laughs> Put the yeah. ones you don't want her to watch really high up on the shelf <laughs> yeah. so she can't see them. <laughs> yeah, I'll be hiding like the Saw box set and Texas yeah. Chainsaw and stuff like high up until she's a bit older yeah aurora is obsessed with smile oh um, yeah. <laughs> she knows she knows i did the junket so i went to a press screening she's like what film are you gonna see mummy so i was like oh, i'm gonna go see smile and then ever since anything smile related is like mummy it's your favorite film <laughs> and then a similar thing happened with evil dead rise one of the promotional materials that they did was you could take your picture and it made you into a deadite and kid loves having a picture taken so she wanted her picture taken she wanted all of her toys having their picture taken and turning into deadites <laughs> and then she wanted to watch the trailer and I was like no I don't think you should be watching the trailer and she sulked and she went to her dad and was like mummy won't let me watch it so mummy won't let you watch it. mummy won't let me watch the evil dead rise trailer and he's like yeah there's a reason for that um, so it's hard because you know yeah. like Kim says they're they're growing up around us who you know have figures in the films and they know that we're watching them and it is hard to work their path in and I think you know that the universal monsters are a, are a good shout a, a way to to get kids into it because I was brought up by a single mother in the 80s and if I couldn't sleep and I walked into the living room, she just let me watch whatever she was watching. So <laughs> I saw many things. I saw dolls when I was about three or four oh and it scarred me for life. <laughs> I've, only, I've only recently, we watched it. I think we watched it at Christmas. It's the first time I'd watched it since it was Fox. It was the scene where they're in the, all the dolls are sort of coming to life and they're like going towards the, the stepmom that just burned into my eyes. And it took, it took me years to find out what the film was. And then, watched it at Christmas and like this is this is not the film I thought it was um right I, I, that's yeah. stuff that's so scary when you're little I yeah. was terrified of Chucky when I was little like yeah. I wouldn't even go near the C's in the video store because I was scared <laughs> I might see a child's play like movie um and then I finally watched child's play as an adult and I was like oh this is okay <laughs> yeah it, they, it definitely taught me a new an early uh, respect for dolls were, you know, to not like tread on them or anything. It'd be like, oh, I'm oh, sorry yeah. that I hurt you. If you're sentient, don't kill me. I'm really sorry. <laughs> yes, when the dolls do come to life, we want them to know that uh, we respect them and uh, don't come for us. Yeah, I'm also very polite to my Google as well. When, yes. When she gets it wrong, I'm very understanding um, because when they overthrow us too, I want to be... I want to be on the good list. I say thank you to my yep. to my Amazon devices, so that yep, I don't don't uh, I welcome our robot overlords. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, Kat, what have you been watching lately? Uh, so I will start off with a TV series, and it is Yellow Jackets. I've finished Yellow Jackets series two. Yeah. I know that a lot of people were disappointed with the second series, but I myself really enjoyed it. Um, I thought Me it too. was it it went exactly how I wanted it to. I just I think I keep comparing it to Lost, and I remember mm. how many years Lost kept the audience in the dark about certain things and how they held back from revealing certain things that were quite obvious for seasons yeah. after seasons after seasons, but. In Yellow Jackets season one, it teased that not everybody made it back from the wilderness and that cannibalism was potentially involved. And then series two almost immediately addressed that, showed that um, there was a character who was pregnant and everyone's like, oh, what's going to happen to the baby? What's going to happen? Series two showed it. So many other shows would, that would have been series, series three cliffhanger. Yes, you know, it it would have been something something like that. So I appreciated that it addressed that, and then has started to build in other aspects, um, 
for where it can go from from here on yeah but I think I think it also just speaks to me on a nostalgia level I think that the girls in question their past selves it was sort of like 96 97 so I was a, mm-hmm. I'm a few years young I was a few years younger at that time than the characters but I remember that time so mm-hmm. there's that sense of nostalgia watching it and I'm a few years younger than the the grown-up versions of them that are in the film but they are dealing with stuff that I've experienced like Shauna's whole complicated relationship with motherhood I think mm-hmm. is is nice to see displayed on screen because every, normally a mother in a tv show like this just sort of lives for the child and is the perfect housewife or mm-hmm. there's something untoward about her if she's not and I like that this doesn't shy away from it's hard to be a mum and sometimes there are conflicted feelings like you love your child but equally sometimes there's elements to them that maybe reflect ourselves too much and that puts us at a distance from them so I am yeah I think I'll always be team yellow jackets I just I hope that they stop when they're ready to stop and that they don't yeah flog it to death like some of the series have done yeah, that's what I'm nervous about is like Yellow Jackets getting a good proper um, ending. Like, don't be canceled early. Don't drag it out too long. Um, I, too, was really happy with season two. I, you know, without saying any spoilers, it's, you know, some things that happened, like, you know, some of the people who survived because you're following them in their adult yeah. timeline. So when there's tension in the, like, younger version timeline you're like okay well I know this person makes it because I see them as an adult so what happens to get from here to there and then you're watching the adult timeline and there's no certainty you know because so it's sort of like this they give you one timeline where there's you know you have no idea what's going to happen but you know a little bit about how it will end up and then they give you another timeline where anything could happen because we don't have any promises of the future there and that is really exciting. And I think they're doing that really well. Um, it reminds me of another show that I love, which is True Detective. The first season in particular, there are different timelines happening in that season. And so it reminds me a little bit of that feeling of like, well, I know how this is going to end up, but I don't know where it's going to go after that. Um, I'm being super vague on purpose in case anybody hasn't seen Yellow Jackets, but I absolutely love it. I love the show. Kim, have you watched it at all? Yeah, I think I am notoriously terrible with keeping up with like TV shows. Like I end up binging them like two years after they've been cancelled. I think Yellow Jackets is the only show that I've managed like both seasons, like the week the episode came out. Like I watched it. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the second series as well. I'm quite surprised to hear that people didn't enjoy it because I think you're right. It's like they need to keep enough mystery to keep you watching, but they need to answer chunks of it so that you're not just like eternally confused. And I think they did a really good job of giving us a bunch of stuff um, mm-hmm. this season, especially like sort of, yeah, delving into kind of all the stuff that's going down in the wilderness. And I think the the ending of the series, like that last five minutes or something was so mm-hmm. absolutely bonkers, chaotic, beautiful. Like it was so good. Um, I'm just like absolutely desperate to see the next season I think it's and it's amazing yeah I'm I'm kind of the same I was a little um younger than they would have been in like the 90s but all like the music and stuff is all the the stuff I liked like growing up and the fashion is all very much what I would like to dress like now so it's (laughs) I just want to absorb like everything from their like sort of teenage experience but yeah it's great it is it's great that it's to see this uh kind of horror centric show that's so like focused on women and like mm-hmm. their stories that is like um a few like peripheral main character um, male characters I should say but it's all sort of round about um these teenage girls and then these older women and what the kind of different comparisons of their life experiences are like and I think it's brilliant yeah I think one of my favorite new additions is Elijah Wood joins in series mm-hmm. two and yeah. him and Christina Rishi <laughs> get to share the screen and I just I don't think they're both child stars I don't think they ever starred against each other when they were younger but they were both child actors at the same time and they've both navigated the the jungle that is child Hollywood and yeah. have maintained successful careers and then to see them both on screen 
having probably shared very similar life experiences is just so much fun to watch because they are really playful with one another like the scenes with with their with Misty and Walter are some of my favorites of the season that's a really good point about them being child actors at the same time that's true I didn't think of that but yeah they have amazing chemistry on screen yeah I can't wait for more more yellow jackets (laughs) What else have you been watching, Kat? Have you had time for anything else? Oh yeah, I've always got, I've always got time. For, <laughs> I've always got time for films. I've got a four-year-old. I have a lot of time just bumbling around the house when she's in bed. Uh, so the next one would be Clock, which is available on Hulu in America and Disney Plus in the UK. It's always very strange when you're talking about a horror film being available on Disney Plus. it's really funny (laughs) it's just it's just a a weird uh, streaming platform uh so it's uh directed by alexis jack now and it stars uh diana agron who was in glee she was the pregnant cheerleader in glee uh quinn i think her name was Mm -hmm. i watched like one season of glee and then tapped out it was (laughs) it was it was too much for me um but she is about to turn 38 she is some amazing wonder kid interior designer she has got the doctor husband the perfect the perfect house um, but all of her friends have got kids or are having kids and she's constantly asked all the questions that childless people are asked which is when are you going to have children how many children are you going to have and she doesn't want children she's adamant that she doesn't see children in her plan but as society is with women it doesn't deem that a valid response and so mm-hmm. eventually she starts to think that there's something wrong with her and during a visit to a gynecologist she is recommended some special revolutionary treatment which will reset or fix her biological clock so she goes oh along to God. um she goes along to this uh, sort of holistic treatment in the middle of nowhere to fix herself and make herself want to have babies and also to make her body ready to have babies. And it's just this great analysis of how broken society is when it comes to women's bodies. And it's you know, this woman letting societal pressures try to lead her down a path that she herself doesn't want and it's this whole confliction of is the treatment working because there was something wrong with her or is she sort of being brainwashed and indoctrinated into uh, society's viewpoint and I find it really interesting I mean I'm I'm a mother but for many years I didn't necessarily see myself being a mother Mm -hmm. and I even when I was sort of trying to be a mother I got so fed up of the constant questions of when are you going to have a baby but more than that I kind of thought when I had my baby that would be it but no you have a baby and it's when are you having the next baby and I am very adamant that I'm a one and done I'm not having another one but oh no you'll change your mind when she gets a bit bigger and there's a bit more space you'll want another one and it's you can't win you don't have children and you get hounded for not having children and then you have a child and you get hounded because you're not having enough children for people so I really enjoyed that clock kind of opens up this conversation for people to maybe think maybe I shouldn't hound my childless friend too much maybe Mm -hmm. I should just let them chill wow that sounds amazing I don't think I've heard of this yeah, it's it's quite. I think it's like the last month or two that it's gone. It sort of was one of those ones that quietly slipped onto slipped onto platforms. But yeah, Kim, have it, you heard of this one? I've heard of it. I've not seen it okay. yet. But um, as you guys know, I write uh, Mother of Fears column for Ghouls, yeah, so I love a horror film based around motherhood. So I am really excited to watch this. I just I am I haven't got around to it yet. But yeah, it's it's I it's always interesting watching films about that kind of topic because it's. It, uh, I'm the same as Kat I have one kids I have no intention of having any more I get a lot of stuff from like my own mum and other people and I'm with a different partner now than Ivy's dad so I have stuff from his side of the family as well being like oh do you know what another I'm like mm, no so it's a lot it's a lot it's quite um it's quite horrifying so I am very excited to watch this one it looks very um yeah sort of 
dark and twisty and will probably make me feel quite uncomfortable but like um in an, in an interesting way so i am i'm keen to watch this one yeah it was i was shouting at the screen to my husband like this is what it's like like during the <laughs> first 10 minutes and he's like what's like this is this is what it's like you go to someone's baby shower and then that's yeah. it oh what's that you've got a partner and you're at a baby shower well surely you need to have a baby and it's just it's so exasperating and i think it really catches that feeling quite well so yeah just yeah. be prepared to get a little angry okay. when you <laughs> It's gone on the list for sure. I am a happily child-free person and it's it's so sensitive, right? Because some people want to be parents and there's lots of barriers to that. And so like if you're hounding someone about wanting kids, maybe they really want kids and they ha- you know, that's not been an option for them yet for so many different kinds of reasons. And so it's like we can't be sensitive to that pop- like we can't even be polite enough to that population. Yeah. Like surely we should the people who want to hound me to have kids should be nice to the people who want kids and are trying, but like they can't even catch a break. Um, You know, I'm 36. I've been married for five years. I'm pretty sure if I was going to change my mind, it would have happened by now. So um, I'm pretty sure I'll feel a lot of rage watching this movie with this person being told there's something wrong with her. I'm excited. (laughs) I need to watch it. I have to like have a rage watch like in the yeah. group chat or something you know oh that would be good <laughs> yep. yeah that's cathartic experience <laughs> what else have you been watching anything else you wanted to mention yeah so my final choice is one that's not out fully in the world yet and it's one that I caught at Tribeca and that is Joe Lynch's Suitable Flesh it's mm had its world premiere at Tribeca and it will next go to Fantasia in Canada and Joe assures me that it's very well might be coming to a well-known festival in the United Kingdom he can't say for certain but chances are very high it might be might be available to watch in the summer in London maybe um (laughs) and it's so it's directed by Joe Lynch it's produced by Barbara Crampton who also stars in it alongside Heather Graham and Judah Lewis, who was the the child protagonist in the Babysitter films, the ones with um, oh. Samara Weaving. Okay. And it is dedicated to Stuart Gordon, and it feels very much like a Stuart Gordon film. It is based on the H.P. Lovecraft story, The Thing on the Doorstep, like a lot of Stuart Gordon's great works, like Reanimator and From Beyond, were based on, on Lovecraft. This is a story that he always wanted to do but didn't get around to doing before he passed and so a lot of people who were collaborators with him have all banded together to create this and it's they've they've modernized it and they've flipped a few through few the few things around so the story has two male characters the film has two female characters but it hasn't just gender switched it like so many films do it also really digs into the female aspects the female psyche and it's uh, a psychiatrist who becomes obsessed with one of her young male patients who is displaying multiple personality disorder and she gets she gets really drawn to him and she starts like fantasizing about him obviously something that she shouldn't do is very taboo but it turns out that there's more to him than uh, a medical condition. There's potential links to the occult and an ancient entity that has been sort of body hopping across the centuries. And it's now sort of in, in her path. So there's lots of there's lots of body swapping and it's it's a very horny it's a very horny film there's lots of it's it's kind of it's like joe lynch is like bringing the sexy back as we as we know and we've discussed many times before there's this very puritanical look at the movies these days and this film is just sticking two fingers up to it and it's it's sexy but it's it's done very much through the female gaze so there's a really sensual aspect to to those scenes and I think it's going to play absolute gangbusters at all the festivals that it, it does get to. Uh, so I highly recommend that people stick that one on its list. And if you can't make it to a festival, it will be coming to theatres in the US at some point later this year and then Shudder okay. worldwide by the end of the year as well. 
everything you said, I got like more excited. <laughs> like every word you added, uh-huh. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like that cast, Joe Lynch. I mean, I love Wrong Turn too. I know that that's probably like a weird Joe Lynch pick, but uh, that I do love Wrong Turn too. And it just sounds awesome. Like it sounds like an amazing story. Yeah, it's just the fact that it's what it's. Obviously, you've got Barbara Crampton sort of front and front and center alongside Heather Graham, mm-hmm. who is known as a big collaborator of Gordon's. But then a lot of the crew and supporting cast are also lifelong collaborators. So you've got Graham Skipper who was in the reanimator musical and was really good friends with the Stuart Gordon. He turns up in a relatively small role as, as a mortician. And he was so pumped to be a part of it that he paid for his own flights out to set. He was like, dude, I want to make this film because they all want to honor Stuart Gordon's memory. And it's just, you feel that love that they really wanted to get it right. And I think they've done a really good job with with what they've they've done. And I just I sat and watched it on my own on a Thursday morning and I just I need to see it in a crowd of sort of like minded people just to to get that the like the real atmosphere that they're after. Sounds like a love letter. It really is, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I can't wait to see it. However I get to see it. <laughs> Was there anything else that you wanted to mention? No, I think that's, yeah, that's, yeah, I've watched a lot of not so good stuff. (laughs) Well, um, I'll throw in a couple, so I won't go too deep into discussing this, but just a bit of sizzle. So yesterday I watched The Human Centipede 1 and 2. (laughs) And I had never seen either one of those before, and I did it back to back. Um, I had a couple friends over for emotional support one of them left after the first one and I, <laughs> I can't blame her um but the reason I won't get into that too much right now is because Rebecca and I will have a whole ghouls podcast episode dedicated to the discussion of those two movies out um very soon so keep an eye out for that I have lots to say actually um both of your faces when I said those movies were really really good I know this is an audio medium but like Kat looked grim and Kim was laughing it's just like yes those are the two reactions that are possible yeah I've only watched the first one I haven't yeah haven't me too yeah my, my mum my mum's watched them all um oh but yeah I still because she watched the first one first I remember hearing about it and being like I don't want to watch this film ever in my mm-hmm. life it sounds horrible and then she watched it and was like it's hilarious it's really funny and I still I was like okay well I'm gonna have to watch it now because she's watched it like I can't win part in front of her mm-hmm. but I remember getting really in my head about it and like having weird dreams in the lead up to me watching it and my dreams are I far worse too. than yeah it's really weird I think it's because it's I don't know it's, it's oh, such a horrible concept and to some degree, like surgeons at the time said that, yes, technically it would be possible to connect people in that way. And that got in my head. But then I watched the first one and was like, oh, this isn't that bad. But then I didn't know there was something about the second one that really didn't appeal to me. That, and I just haven't mm-hmm. managed to to dip a toe into it yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. My level for like gore or anything is not very high. Um, so I went, I, I watched the first one not long after it came out and like really had to psych myself for it. And then you're right, it's not that bad. It's a lot of like more the imagined, the, the, yeah. if you were in yeah. that situation or the process is horrible. But I have read the plot of the second one and the third one and I'm just like, I don't think I could watch though <laughs> like I, don't, <laughs> I just don't think I could make myself do it. Like maybe like watch it in a, in a group or something where you could like, have a laugh about the ridiculousness of it but um yeah I don't have the strongest stomach um for mm-hmm. for things and even just like kind of um stills I've seen from the second one just look so grimy and like disgusting I don't think I'll 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 see if I ever manage <laughs> to watch the other ones it's been a good like whenever, whenever the first one came out that's when I watched it and I've gone this long without feeling the need to complete the trilogy so yeah yeah I I don't blame you at all yep they're, and, and the first one and the second one are really tonally different. So um, if you like one, you wouldn't necessarily like the mm-hmm. other. And I neither of you said you necessarily liked the first one. <laughs> so 
yeah, I'll keep the rest of my thoughts to myself for now, but I'm sure Rebecca and I will have a lot to say. It's so weird that you said you had dreams leading up to a cat because yeah. I did too this week. I had like a few, I was really in my head about watching them and uh, I had a few weird dreams this week too. So maybe that's just a thing that happens with these movies. Um, on a really different note, I have been watching a TV show on Apple TV in the US. I am not sure if it's available in the UK or or not, um, but it's called Silo. Yeah, that's over here. Okay. Um, it's really good. It's based on a book that I don't know anything about. So I'm going into this story with no information. Um but it's kind of a mystery box. It's about some, I'm not, I'm not even sure if it's the future or like the year is unclear when it's taking place, but there is a whole community of people living in an underground like silo bunker situation and they don't know a lot about their history and they, it's unsafe to go outside or maybe Maybe that's a lie, but maybe it's true. So um, the show so far is like a couple main characters trying to unravel the mysteries of the silo. And I'm super sucked in. It's got Rebecca Ferguson and she's amazing in it. Um, It's got other amazing performances and I didn't write down any of the actors names, which is great. Um, But I love a mystery box. Like, Get, tell me a story. Tell me the secrets. Let me gasp along with you. So that's been really fun. Um, we'll see where it goes. I don't know. And then the other thing I watched recently was Andy Mitten's The Harbinger from last yeah. year. Um, there were two movies that came out last year called The Harbinger. This <laughs> <laughs> is very confusing. Um, so the Andy Mitten one is about, it's not about COVID really, but it's like definitely inspired by COVID and it takes place during COVID. So, uh, it, that, that's a factor, but it's about like a woman starts experiencing very strange dreams. And then it turns out the dreams are contagious and trying to navigate that and get help for that while people are locked down and being really cautious about COVID. Um, I think I probably shouldn't have watched this movie yet. (laughs) I think it wasn't a good idea for me at the time. It's a wonderful movie. Like, Mm. don't get me wrong. It's super well made. It's beautiful. It's impactful. It's important. But after I watched it, I was like, I am not yet removed enough from COVID to do this movie. And it's too late now. So I'm just sort of like setting it aside mentally to maybe come back to one day when I'm like in a better place about COVID um, to watch it again. Because I I just felt super sad and bummed out at the end of it. And other people who watched it were like, oh, I loved it. It was my favorite movie of last year. Like I heard super positive things about it. So I think maybe I just wasn't ready. I don't know. Have either of you seen it? No, I haven't seen it, but the the, the interest in the stuff you say about COVID because I just started watching the remake of the Stand, like TV series that came out a couple of years ago. Because I finally subscribed to the extra channel on Amazon Prime that has all the Stephen King stuff, so I'm watching Castle Rock and that at the same time before my like limited time uh, lower price trial runs out. Oh, and yes. it's and it's weird because yeah, um obviously the whole first chunk of the stand is about captain trips and the super flu that sort of wipes out like 96 percent of the earth's population and it's weird because you do feel like you're like oh we're kind of it's fine like covid's not really a thing anymore then you watch something like that and you're like no wow this is still like a whole extra level of like real world terrifying Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's weird how um kind of hard that kind of stuff hits um but you know it, it does sound good but i haven't i haven't seen it i will add it to my <laughs> expanded watch list yeah yeah i have watched it three three times now okay um, i watched it like i had i watched it for fantasia and then i was at celluloid and it was on and andy mitten was my he was my seat partner for the festival oh, wow. so i didn't sit next to him during the film so andy i'm not sitting next to you while I watch your film (laughs) and then I watched it again ahead of a chat with him and the COVID stuff is 
so impactful. There's this mm-hmm. scene early on where these two characters who they're sort of old friends who meet and they decide to hug and yes. it's their first it's their first like time hugging somebody out of their bubble and it just instantly takes you back to your own experience where you know you first interacted with somebody outside of your household and how weird that was and there was a, a happy accident when they were recording it where uh, the position of the microphone picks up the the heartbeat of one of the characters, which so as you're watching it, you can like hear their hearts beating at how excited they were because they were filming it during COVID. So there was an element for the actors themselves. It was the first time that they were allowed to to hug somebody that wasn't like living with them. And it is it is intense. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're right. It does need some some distance from covid but in addition to that it's this wonderful story of what is real and what is not and it yeah he plays he plays with that world in a similar way to Wes Craven did in the first nightmare film you never quite know when the characters are asleep and when they're awake and it's this sort of forever waking nightmare which is obviously what covid was as well and yeah I'm so happy I mean Andy did um the Witch in the Window, which was another film from a few years yes. ago, which was like super good. And having sat next to him for a weekend at a genre festival, I can confirm that he's a lovely human being. And dude likes a karaoke, which which <laughs> I know will appeal to uh, to some people in this in this uh, conversation. <laughs> okay, well, watch out at Frey Fest because maybe yeah. I'll try to <laughs> convince Andy to do some karaoke. Well, he did, that's he did, awesome. Yeah, he uh, he did uh, he did Bohemian Rhapsody, and that's you know that's, that's a choice for karaoke. Choice. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a bold choice. I love it though. No, that's I that scene where they decide to hug was very intense. Um, the witch in the window, I I really liked that. It is um, there's one scene, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it but there's one scene that gave me like a full body chill like a true terrified moment in the witch in the window and uh it didn't leave me with any COVID anxiety so maybe go watch that (laughs) instead if you don't feel ready for the harbinger um yeah so um I will also add I have been reading a lot lately too and I just reread Dark Places by Gillian Flynn, um, who also wrote Gone Girl and Sharp Objects and probably other things that I'm not remembering. Um, Gone Girl obviously was a great film, too, and Sharp Objects had a really good HBO miniseries. Dark Places did get a film adaptation, um, but it's not very good, which is sad, because, like, it's got... Charlize Theron in it I'm pretty sure and but it was just like sort of disappointing so I'm like if Dark Places could get either like the miniseries treatment or another film I think that would be awesome um I don't know if either of you have read Dark Places no no I've read the other two you mentioned but not not that one it's I mean it's just as good and it's got the Gillian Flynn sort of like um central female character who is flawed but like you really love her and um, some sort of mystery that unfolds. So Dark Places is about this woman named Libby who, when she was seven years old, her family was murdered on her farm. She's the only one who survived and got away, except for her brother who was put in prison for the murders. And her life is kind of falling apart in her early 30s. She, like, never worked. She just, like, lived off... um, like money she made from people donating to a fund for her. Now that she's getting older, people aren't really interested anymore. And so she meets up with like these true crime people who want to figure out some other things that happened that night. And it, I think if you have an opinion on true crime as a genre at all, like if you like true crime or if you think it's exploitative or, you know, if you don't, think people should be into it or whatever you think I think dark places is a really good exploration of that because there's some of like the true crime community that she meets who are really trying to do a good thing and like catch people that the police aren't catching or get innocent people out of jail 
And then there are people who are just absolutely unhinged towards her and like show up at her house and yell at her and like throw things at her because they're like, we think your brother's innocent and you put him in jail. And it's like, okay, well, she was seven at the time. Um, So yeah, it's just, it's an easy read and it's a really good story. If you like other Gillian Flynn stuff, I would highly recommend Dark Places. Cool. Um, does anyone want to mention anything they didn't get to yet? Um, I binge through the whole new series of Black Mirror over the weekend. Oh, how is that? I've heard mixed things. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's it's quite mixed. I think overall it's it's very good. I don't think there was any episode that absolutely like knocked my socks off like there has been in previous series. There is a whole episode set in Scotland that's all about true crime stuff. It probably touches on a lot of the stuff from that book. It's called Loch Henry. Um, some of the Scottish accents are very questionable, I would say, but I think that episode overall was probably um, my favourite. There's also a great one with um, Aaron Paul and Josh Hartnett as like um, guys uh, in space that have like, um, this isn't spoilery because it literally happens in the first few seconds of the episodes, but they have like replicants robots on earth and they are in space and they they basically put their conscience into it the whole time where they're not doing space tasks so they don't go mad in space and get to spend time with their their families um that one's really good as well it's really long it's about an hour and 20 minutes so it's basically a film um but yeah because it's so new i didn't want to talk about it because i didn't think i'd be able to talk about it in a way that wouldn't spoiler any of it but i do think overall it's a good series but i think those two episodes so that's Loch henry and then the space one's called um beyond the sea i think are my two favorites but i don't think there was any one that was like flat out terrible um as there have been in the past with some of them i think they're all really enjoyable and yeah we binge through them there's only five so we got through them in like a day and in a night so um uh yeah it was nice to see some more some more black mirror um back on the back on the screens um we've kind of missed it it's an interesting one it is it's um tie seems high variance some mm-hmm. of the seasons do mm-hmm. uh, but i have really enjoyed some episodes so maybe i'll check out those two they'll be on my ever growing <laughs> yeah. watch list. Yeah, they they are on our watch list but i think it came out on thursday mm-hmm. and we have a strict a friday night and saturday night me and my husband watch a film together that we mm-hmm. try to keep away from tv so probably next week we'll start dipping dipping in with like one a night awesome well i'll look forward to your thoughts too okay well we can wrap it up um thank you so much both of you for joining me today um before we close out of here kim where can people find you and follow your work online um, yeah, so obviously I write uh, for Ghouls, um, it, my Mother of Fears columns every month about like different aspects of motherhood and horror, but um, I write other stuff, mainly um, lists, as I was, was mentioning. Um, I also have my own blog, which is called Little Red Horror, um, but I do more lists on there as well. Um, but I also write a couple of columns about like remakes versus their originals, and I've got one called Rage and Revenge, which is all about like female rage and revenge in different films and um yeah you can follow me on twitter and um instagram i'm um, wicked sister 69 or i'm also on tiktok and i'm little red hotter on there awesome and kat where can people find you and your work so twitter instagram letterbox i am at gizma shikari there's links to everything there it's coming up to festival season so the hollywoodnews.com mm. i will be covering fantasia fright fest and everything that comes comes after that and also there's the the new <laughs> the new venture with uh, the four-year-old which is movies with mummy we're on apple and spotify uh, just movies movies with mummy and we can be found on twitter at movies with mummy and instagram at movies with mummy pod and yeah they're just micro five minutes or less conversations where i try to keep her on task about a <laughs> film or tv show that she's enjoyed watching uh with with varying results and she did write the uh, intro and outro themes all by herself. <laughs> uh, it is adorable and so much fun to listen to. Yes, I highly recommend. 
Um, and if anybody would like to follow me, I'm at Ari underscore Hellraiser on all the socials, links to all my work there. Um, you can follow Ghouls Magazine on all the socials, either at Ghouls Mag or Ghouls Magazine. If you like what you're hearing, please like and subscribe and rate us on whatever platform you're listening to. Um, if you want more Ghouls podcast episodes, uh, the the members-only secret VIP episodes, you can become a member for just $4.99 a month. You can check out our show notes or head to ghoulsmagazine.com for more on that. For now, I've been your host, Ariel, and remember to keep it ghoulish. <laughs>